Welcome to They That Hope with Father Dave and Deacon Bob, seeing humor and hope in a crazy world. And I'm Deacon Bob. And I'm Father Dave. And you're in a hotel. And where are you? The Friary. Can't you tell by, by the beautiful background? <laughs> actually, there's there's actually more in the background than normal. I mean, I almost see like a bookshelf or something. Really? I don't know. What's to your left? My chair? Oh, oh, maybe. Yeah, okay. Is that a bookshelf? It is. It's a desk. And for those of you who just listened to the podcast, you're enjoying this. Riveting conversation as always. We are recording this on a Monday night. Uh, Father Dave is in Steubenville at the Friary. I am in Brewster, New York, which is not actually true. I'm in somewhere in Connecticut, but it's really nearby Brewster, New York. And I'm in a hotel in Connecticut for some reason. It's one of those border things. Uh, you're probably all wondering, tell us sports and up, uh, a sports update. We are in the middle of Monday night football. Currently it's halftime and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are losing to the New Orleans Saints 10 to three. But I hope by the end of this podcast, I'll give you an update of a better score than that. That's interesting. The, um, the Bucks are like five and seven and they're winning their division, right? Well, they might not if they uh, lose today, because we'll be then the I think we'd be division. tied with the Saints. Yeah, it's a it's a sad thing. Sadder still, though, um, Team USA lost to the Netherlands three to one on Saturday. But if you had listened to the previous episode where I was giving a prediction of oh the previous gosh. game, here we go. I called Christian Pulisic scoring the winning goal, and they did in fact beat uh, Iran. One nothing. I thought it'd be two to one. So at least I got a, they won by one point and that they won it all. And that is Christian Pulisic that scored the winning goal. But alas, uh, they fell to the Netherlands, who is a great team. And, uh, and the World Cup continues. Yeah, I guess the Netherlands haven't lost in like 18 months or something like that. So they're, I think they're a real good team. Yeah, they are, they are really good. You know, we kind of crawled into the round of 16. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad we made it there. I think you always would hope to win the first game, but all these teams are crazy, crazy good at this, at this point. point. So who yeah. would be the favorite now? Some people are saying England. Um, well, that would be an interesting, I, I think England's a strong team. I think Argentina is a strong team. I mean, you had kind of have your classics. You have France, um, you've got Spain. I think I would say England uh, France, Spain, Argentina, not Germany. Uh, not Germany. No, actually, let me look this up. Really they didn't quick. go on. They didn't I was going to say they didn't. I, I was going to be like, I actually don't think they made it. In they the, did not. Which and they said this is a catastrophe. Was the yeah. word that they used? Yeah, for them, it's it's absolutely miserable. So um, here, I can take a quick look at what we have left. So uh, in the next round, so far, it's going to be Croatia versus Brazil. Good. Netherlands versus Argentina, that. England versus France. And then we're going to see the winner of Spain versus Morocco and Portugal versus Switzerland, which I think we're going to see Spain and Portugal yes. uh, going yes. on into, into that round. Those games are on Friday and Saturday. And by the time we meet for the next episode of Day That Hope, we will have predictions for the Tuesday and Wednesday World Cup finals, which you'll already know the answer to by the time you hear the next episode. Yes. But it's still yeah, all right. 
Because the championship is in a week from, well, just about two weeks. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The fin- Yeah, the final, the third place, uh, fight for third place, Saturday, December 17th. And then the final is Sunday, December 18th. I'm, I'm still not a fan o'clock. of this this time of year. Having, I, I kind of thought maybe it'd be cool, but no. It is cool. I am a fan of it. No, I like it in the summer. This is just, oh, there's too much you, other stuff going me. on. No, there's not enough going on. What's going on right now? The NBA, the oh, NHL, whatever. the NFL, and college football. Hey, USC lost. Did that make you happy? It did make me happy. And it also threw a total curveball with the playoffs. So the final four teams in the playoffs are going to be Georgia is going to play Ohio State, and Michigan is going to play TCU. But two of the top four teams lost. So it just threw everything. So wait, there's no me. Alabama, no Clemson. All those guys no, didn't make the top four. No, no. And I cannot tell you, I was afraid that Alabama was going to sneak in. And that would have been a plot hatched by the evil of man. Mm. But they did not They did not make it, which I was really thrilled about. Good. I'm not a, an Alabama fan. Yeah, yeah, so sorry Notre for all gonna, the Alabama listeners, by the way. Yeah, and yeah, we don't mean to think that you are evil people if you hatch no, that plot. No, no, people, the people themselves are wonderful. Well, actually, Saban was talking about, oh, this is why we should get in, blah, 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 please. Um, they lost two games. I mean, you lose two games, you shouldn't be in the finals. So with that being said, Notre Dame. Unless you're the playing. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Continue. Okay. Notre Dame will be playing South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. So that's, that's good. On the okay. 30th, December 30th. So oh, that'll be, be fun. Nice. I'll be home to be able to. Are you going to go to it? No, I'll be home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Although that hey, was update. one of the one of the bowls I went to. I went to the Gator Bowl uh, years ago uh, yeah. against North Carolina. Yeah. I went update. to a what's the uh, what's the one in Arizona? The Fiesta Bowl. I went to a Fiesta Bowl once when Notre Dame played. Yeah, we lost. They played the Oregon Ducks. We lost. And they lost. They seem to lose a lot of bowl games. Would you just keep telling talk? Let's change the topic. Uh, update on the Buccaneers versus the Saints. The Saints just scored a field goal. It is now 13-3, to which is really just setting the stage for some late football heroics from, which, Tom, from Tom Brady. Which our goal is to stay live until this game is settled. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we, we, will, we will continue to update you throughout the entire podcast. Okay, process. so you are in Georgia. My, my update is I'm not traveling anywhere. So... I've been home for a week, and I don't go home. I don't go anywhere until after Christmas. So it's actually been really nice to be home for a few days. Well, my update is I spent the weekend in New York with three ladies I love, my wife, my daughter Eliana, and my daughter Maria, who turned 15 on Sunday. She said, it's my quinceanera. I'm like, we're Irish, and we don't do that nonsense. But she turned 15. Um, we got to see the Rockettes Christmas Spectacular. It was kicking. Oh, was it, how and was it? Like when, when it's all said and done, how was it? It was fantastic. Okay. Like, I, I guess I hadn't seen it in like 15 years. Um, and it's not just the Rockettes. It's like, they, it's like the Rockettes, but then there's dancers. The, the, the staging is spectacular. And then it really culminates in this gorgeous living nativity. I mean, they really make it so Christian. You just wonder... Oh. Is this allowed anymore? But oh, it great. was it was just heartfelt and classic Americana Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. So the whole um, thing's what, you, know, you walk by minutes? Rockefeller Center, you've got the tree there. It was just did awesome. Saint, I mean, did you go visit St. Patrick's? Yes, we did. We, we went to Mass at St. Patrick's, which was great. I hadn't been in there since they finished the reservation. It's beautiful. Renovations. renovations. Yeah. So that was gorgeous. And then we also saw the Harry Potter play. 
Oh, um, of course. Which uh, I've seen before and enjoyed. My daughter, particularly Eliana, read all the books and loved it. Maria loves the movies. So in the meantime, we just got to see friends. We got to see Father Louis Morozny, uh, who was in New York that weekend. They got to see uh, my good friend Gene and our, our good friend Gene, Gene Montrostelli, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Iwinski. Uh, it was just great. And and uh, and then yesterday I saw Bishop Joe Espiat. Oh, did you see him? Oh, great. Yeah, he was at this parish mission that I'm at uh, for one of the first nights. So, Oh, that's great. That's um, great. So it's just, been, it's just been absolutely wonderful. And then we're doing the parish mission uh, at St. Lawrence O'Toole. It is. It's a Steubenville parish mission. Okay, tell people about Lawrence that. St. Lawrence O'Toole. Uh, and I didn't know there was a Lawrence O'Toole. I kept thinking, I keep wanting to call it St. Peter O'Toole. Yeah, which um, is but, a big difference. Big difference, but he was in Lawrence of Arabia. So I think it's kind of fair that I'm kind of combining those two things. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what the university has been doing over the past couple of years, and this is a follow-up to our conferences, is trying to bring about parish renewal. And uh, we've been setting up these Steubenville Parish Missions. They're three-night missions where we bring in one of our conference speakers and also one of our conference musicians and really just try to elevate the mission experience. I love it because it's got, you know, it, it comes with like a program book and a journal uh, we try to get them into discipleship quads, small group sharing at the end of it. And, you know, as somebody that does parish missions, I love doing studentville parish missions because sometimes when it's a parish mission, it's just me. I show up and it's cool. I talk, I sing. But like having the studentville yes. element is great because there's better follow up. Uh, studentville, the conference office helps like kind of train the parish as to how to get people to the mission and how to do follow up. And it's just awesome. It, it's really a gift. And so are you I, the- I, are you the musician or the speaker for this one? I'm the speaker. Okay. Who's the musician? Uh, Nate Reinhardt. Okay. Uh, he is the lead singer yeah, of a band Nate. called Sonar. Sonar. Well, I'm helping the people at home. And um, he also leads our the, youth conferences. You don't have to tell me this. I know this. I know, but there's other people that don't know as much as you. I know it's hard to believe. All right. It's a low bar. Okay. Can we go on to baseball? Is there baseball still happening? I well, thought we had was, a break from this. There was a, a signing. The Philadelphia Phillies, who already have a really good team, Signed Trey Turner from the Dodgers. He used to be with the Nationals. Like, I really like Trey Turner. And the fact okay. that he left the Nationals broke my heart. Broke my heart. And then when. Is there the anybody Dodgers, in the Nationals that. Is there anybody on the Nationals? It feels like they've sold everybody. There's four people. Uh, three of them are still in high school because they can't. So they can't play yet. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so he went to the Dodgers for a year and now he's with the Phillies. So the Phillies are. I mean, they obviously went to the World Series this year. Right. They got beat, but. Uh, they're going to be really good, really, really good. Trey Turner is just a really good player. Well, meanwhile, the Eagles are still doing great stuff. Yes, they are. Um, but and I'd like Broncos to mention that the Cavaliers, the, the Cavaliers uh, beat the 76ers pretty handily. Um, Did you, is that the one you went to with your daughter? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we had a great time. So the Cavs are up and down. They're young, they're spunky, but they've sometimes they fall flat in their face. They just played the Knicks and uh, – only scored like 80 points. It was really, really bad. But generally speaking, they're doing well. And uh, and I think we are going to a game on the 21st. We are. All right. See? Yeah. See how fun that will be? Yeah. It's funny. Some well, friends of mine texted me and they said, are we going to see you when, when you're in town? I said, what are you talking about? They said, well, we heard you going to the Bucks game. Well, it's not in Milwaukee. So. <laughs> well, that's all the sports you need to know. And thanks for paying attention. Uh, husbands, you can invite your wives back into the room. And we will talk about something else now. I think we're going to talk about Steubenville being in the news.
Oh yeah, I heard we were uh, we got a mention in the Washington Post. Well, yeah, it's funny. We've got a, two, a couple of mentions around similar themes. So maybe about and this is one of the things just about oh you know, a lot of people pay attention to the university and and what we do here and and I love that. I love the fact that that yeah, that we we have a platform and we're able to use that and speak to I think issues that matter. But it also means that kind of anybody can, you know, write and say whatever they want to say or do. And I mean, that's one of the things about the Internet. You kind of put something out there and it's out there and for whatever that's worth. But about maybe six weeks ago, we got voted um, by a organization, which is a gay pride organization, and they were evaluating schools in Ohio. And we were voted one of the worst places to go to school if you are somebody who's part of that, really the activist part, not just people who, who have, you know, same-sex attractions or, you know, transgender dysphoria or anything like that, but they're really activists. So they said that we're a horrible place to be because we believe in the teachings of the church and that we don't allow, you know, co-ed dorms <laughs> and people to, you know, spend the night with each other and, and all these kinds of things. So it was yeah. just kind of interesting, you know, this group puts out there. But the thing that was interesting is just, I think it was actually just today, Washington Post, which is you know, somewhat of a fairly reputable uh, organization. I've heard uh, of it. Did a piece. It's no New York Post. No, it is, no, it is not. <laughs> no, or the Durango Herald. Yeah. Oh, well, wait yeah. a second. Let's yeah. not put the bar that high. Yeah. So they, Do they have a cool motto. Um. Everything that's fit to print, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Well, just to you that end. You can wrap your cow patty around this paper. To, to that end, we're, we're actually going to do a conference, uh, a joint conference in Washington, D.C. next spring at the Bible Museum. Uh, Franciscan University and EWTN are going to join together and do a piece, a conference on responsible journalism. Again, hmm. because we live in a world with the Internet, Kind of anybody can call themselves a journalist, put something out there, and and the reality is, there's no there's no prof no necessarily professionalism or accountability or anything like right. that. And so we're going to do a conference in Washington D.C. in the spring, so that's going to be cool. But this one, and I think we mentioned that earlier, and there'll be a live day that hope. Oh, did we do that? Spinning, oh, that's right. Yeah, and we're going to spin all the stories. That's right. In a really that's weird right. Way that's right. As a that's great right. example of how to not do professional journalism. That, that's absolutely right. That's great. So this was the Washington Post. <gasps> Can we get Raymond Arroyo on our show? We don't have guests. Well, I guess we've had one guest. We had Heather Kim, and it worked out pretty well. But yeah, did. maybe we should just leave it at that. That's probably where do you go from there? Yeah, I mean, really. And just there, there we uh, they've got a new season coming out, maybe January second or third or something like that. So if you abiding listen to together? abiding together, yeah, if you listen to that, they've got a new se a new series or season coming out. I saw like a little tweet that they're like in the one percent of like listened podcasts. Well, yeah, but where are we? Didn't you say like we were like the one percent and like net the uh, some country that doesn't have technology? I'm trying to remember. In Iceland, we were. Yeah, in Iceland, we're, we're, huge, we're in Iceland. huge in Iceland. Huge in Iceland. Yeah, we are huge in Iceland. Yeah, we should do they that hope but put like an umlaut over the O. I don't know, you know? what this that would Spotify, even be bigger. I don't know what the Spotify that was a Spotify thing that rap or is that what it's called rap or something like that? 
where everybody, everybody was posting what they listened to. It's like, for the goodness sakes. But yeah, I didn't see any numbers. The next one, we'll find out what, what our numbers are. and we'll, we'll Yeah, Patrick, we'll remind us to uh, send an email. We want to know what countries were crushing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But, so yeah, the Washington Post did a piece on basically religious schools, Catholic, Protestant schools, and how they deal with the LGBTQ plus issues. And, mm-hmm. and Franciscan University was one of the ones that was mentioned. And they stated that, that you know, we're, quote unquote, we're conservative. That's what they use the word. And, and that um, we're very religious and we're going to be faithful to the teachings of the church. And they quoted Father Jonathan St. Andre. And Father Jonathan was really, I thought he did a really nice job saying, you know, we're, we're, we're called by the gospel. In essence, we're called by the gospel to be charitable. And that's what we're always going to be. And we're going to strive to be. With that being said, we can't accept, you know, just again, what the activists LGBT are, are pursuing and trying to state that kind of anything goes. And and one of the other things that we, we got some media recently on this same issue was, and I'm really proud of this, the university has started a program called Integratus. And it's a program uh, that was started by the students. A couple of our students came to myself and a couple of the other administrators and they wanted to have um, an opportunity for college students who are asking these questions, you know, sexual identity, uh, gender identity. Um, they wanted to have a place where they could talk about these issues, but ultimately because they wanted to be more faithful disciples. So when we were discussing, okay, what is this going to look like? They wanted to be clear. And it was, I was really proud of our students that they don't want a support group. It's not a support group a gay support group, an LGBT support group. It's a discipleship group. And ultimately, that's their Mm. desire is to be faithful to Jesus and faithful to the gospel, faithful to the teachings of the church, but to have an environment where men and women who who are asking these questions and wrestling with these issues have a place that they can do that and support one another and support Uh, their walk with the Lord. So they actually started here on campus about two and a half years ago. And we thought it best to just kind of allow them to do that quietly. So we didn't make any public statements about it and just really let them on this journey and walk through this and try to figure things out and say, okay, we started doing this, but we think it better to do like this. Um, And then just this summer, Franciscan University hosted a conference on, on these topics, invited maybe 20, 25 different college, Catholic colleges from around the country, and they came and, and participate in this dialogue. And that's when we first started talking. Okay, this is what we're doing at the university. And we've had other universities and other schools reach out to us and say, you know, we're interested in learning more about this. But again, this was started by our students. Uh, really, really proud of them. They're doing a great job. They sought our, our advice and our direction and our support, uh, but it's really largely student, student-led. And and we'll, you'll see some more media about this because it's it's getting some traction. There are organizations out there who were, again, who looked to Franciscan University. And when we started sharing this, uh, they're very excited about it. Yeah, so that's just something that's yeah. coming down the pipe. That's some fantastic. You know, and you're probably aware of this, Father Dave, but some of our alumni uh, also created uh, another Yes, that's great. Um, we've, outreach. We've spoken about that. Eat the yeah, Eden Invitation. And if you want to check it out, it's EdenInvitation.com. Uh, and I just love their their tagline is original personhood 
beyond the LGBT plus paradigm. And, and, I, and, I, and it's just this idea of, right, discipleship. It's, it's more than just a support group. It's more than, you know, oh, you've got a problem and you need to deal with it. It's really being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And how do we live out that call to discipleship? And part of that call is always, uh, you know, as Jesus lived it, poverty, chastity, obedience. Yeah. And, and how are we all called to that? And I like what you said about there's an, there's an activist yes. element to LGBTQ. Uh, well, yeah. activism, really, which also just tries to say, hey, it's a free-for-all of sexual activity and you can do what you want. And, um, you know, like I often, when I deal with young people or I deal with youth ministers who are trying to talk to young people who might have same-sex attraction, you know, I usually try to emphasize like everybody's called to chastity, like first and foremost, especially when you're talking with teenagers, yeah. like everybody's called to chastity. Yeah. And and that's part of the gospel message. And some people think, you know, that it's even crazy to tell a teenager, uh, a heterosexual teenager, sure. you know, to be chaste sure. and to live a chaste life and to live a life of sexual purity. But that really is that really is the gospel. And so I'm I'm really proud of our students um, and, and, and I would say even in a Catholic realm, like to come forward and bring up these yeah. issues, you know, too often, you know, it's interesting. The Washington Post said that we're conservative yeah. and it's so easy to get labeled in a political landscape of being conservative. Right. And that sadly, sometimes in that political landscape, it doesn't want to just, it just doesn't want to deal with the issue at all. It's like, well, if you're LGBT, you're on that right, side of the right. spectrum and we just don't like you. And the, the faith-based element of it really tries to ask the question, how are we all called to discipleship with whatever we're struggling with, with whatever uh, we're dealing with? And, um, you know, it's something that I, as a, you know, 50-year-old, different generation, heterosexual guy, might not be able to find the language for. But like when I see our students, you know, I, I am an advisor to a household and we often have some of our guys that struggle with same-sex attraction, you know, really trying to ask the question, how can I be a disciple of Jesus Christ as I'm dealing with yeah. this? I'm just so, and, and, just so proud and, of and them. That's I mean, what's, it's just awesome. That's what's really, and Father Jonathan does a really nice job with this, and that, that that's what's really important is that it has to be done in charity. I mean, that yes. there's, again, there, there are organizations and groups that kind of would say we are, not charitable, we're not loving, we're not kind, we're not accepting, and those things. And that's just, that simply isn't true. It's going to be the characterization, but it's simply not true. And, 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 what, yeah. and I think it's different when, when you meet somebody and you're walking with somebody and they're struggling and wrestling and trying to figure things out. And, and, and it, would, it would be my hope that somebody who is, who is asking these questions and wrestling with these issues that they would find it in a community of faith, a place where it's really safe to talk about that and safe. Now, honestly, yeah. Bob, I don't think that's always true. I think that some places that that they don't feel safe, and, and I would like to to hope that we can have an environment that that we can talk about these things and pray about them and and discuss them and debate yeah. them and dialogue them and and just do that in the light of faith. And that's yeah, that's really important. So. Yeah. So well, and it can be hard for people of faith to not even know how to do yeah. that. I mean, again, it's like, oh, well, that's sin. We don't want to talk about it. Just don't sin. Yeah. And, and the other, and the is, reality of it is just so much. And deeper. The other is just the danger. Father Jonathan and I were actually talking about that. It's just words that you use are like, oh, you can't say that, and 
I mean, just like I remember I gave a talk years ago about I said somebody was struggling with this and somebody just railed at me. They said, you can't say that because not everybody's struggling. And it's like, okay, I'm just I'm trying the best I can. And and that's and and that's (laughs) the thing I think that some people struggle with is they just don't know what to say and they're afraid they don't want to offend somebody and they don't know the right words to use. And that's where, again, I think we need to be charitable to one another, give one another benefit of a doubt, listen, be present. Uh, and yeah, I think that'll go a long way. And I think, you know, I think of the line that St. John Bosco once said, um, when he talked about why his ministry was so, so successful and he, he just responded, if you love them, they'll follow you anywhere. And he wasn't talking about a manipulative kind of, no, love. And I think he that's was just important. saying, not all love is the same. Contrary. contrary yeah, exactly. To what the and, and he was said. talking. Yeah, right, right. He was talking about the kind of love that the other person trusted that you had their best interests at heart. And I think in the conversations, you know, if, if you're already going against the quote unquote enemy, right, in, in a conversation, then you're not going to be able to communicate a love. But I would hope that, and I think we're seeing signs of that at Franciscan, you know, that somebody would be able to enter into a dialogue, into a conversation with the attitude, not so much the goal here is condemnation, but the goal is because we care, we have your best interest at heart. You know, I, I even felt that way when I gave chastity talks to, you know, young people. Um, you know, again, whether it's homosexual or heterosexual, you know, a, a younger generation doesn't want to hear about chastity mm-hmm. and about purity. But if they know the reason I'm sharing it is because I do care for them. And I and I have found in my own life that what Jesus has revealed is, in fact, the best way to live. I think that's a foundation of dialogue that goes beyond just a a judgment or I'm trying to convince you of what I think is right. Uh, but it says, Father Jonathan was saying, like, it, it's, you know, St. Paul talked about we need to speak the truth in mm-hmm. love. And truth without love isn't truly mm-hmm. true. And love without truth isn't truly love. Uh, it, it really needs to be both as God reveals it. And and you're right, we have to be patient with each other and find out the right language yeah. and give each other the benefit of the doubt, but have the difficult conversations. And it's exciting to see that we're trying yeah, to do just that. And it was just maybe last on this topic. Uh, the Supreme Court today heard the, an interesting case related to whether or not religious-based institutions are going to be forced to, like the wedding cake or internet sites, yeah. whether or not they're going to be forced to do that. So that case was actually heard today. So again, again, we'll we'll see a lot of media about that. So we yeah we continue yeah. to to pray for that and, and the Lord just continue to give us wisdom. And, and, and I, I know, I mean, this is a very difficult topic. I, I mean, yes. most people now have friends, acquaintances, relatives that, that this is an issue. And, and ultimately it's an issue that many people really suffer with and struggle with, uh, particularly, yeah. yeah, particularly if, if you're trying to live the faith. So, but the thing, and maybe just to close Bob, I think it's the same. It's, what you mentioned that what we ask for a heterosexual person is the same that we would ask for a homicide. So it's not like we want to treat anybody differently in that, that our, our hope is, is their sanctification, um, their, their right relationship with the Lord that they come to know his deep love for them. And so uh, that's our hope. And that, that's a good uh, transition for us to our, yes. to our, our closing topic today. Again, we are, we right. are dealing so with, um, why did the Word become flesh? Last week we talked that the Word became flesh in order to save us 
by reconciling us to God, which is 450. Can I interrupt with an important announcement? I mean, Did I know the score? reasons for the incarnation might have some value. Score? Well, we're down 16 to 3 now. The Saints just scored a no field goal. There's eight minutes and two seconds. Yeah, in I the saw fourth. that they were in the red zone. I was hoping for a touchdown. Wow. You're a hateful person. Please talk about We'd God's love. love. The word became, so number 458 says, the word became flesh so that thus we might know God's love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. Do you know what that's where that's from, Bob? Do you know where that Bible scripture is from? Oh, let me think. It's one of the Gospels. Yes, yes. You've got it narrowed uh, down. It, it is, of course, John 3.16, yeah. the most... You know, what's beautiful about John 3.16 is most people would say, if you could summarize Scripture in one verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, so that through him we might not perish but have eternal yeah. life. Yeah. So, to, again, to answer the question, why did the Word became flesh? The Word became flesh to reveal the love of God. I was always touched by a Father Renero Cantalamesa, who were to say, uh, not only if you were to narrow the Scriptures into one verse, but into three words, he would say that God is love, that, that ultimately mm-hmm. the revelation of Christ was a God who loves. And, and I think it's important that, that we speak to that, that we live in a culture and age that that you see bumper stickers that say love is love, all love is the same. And, and that simply isn't true. You know, I've, I've had too many kids in my office over the years that have been forced to do things, quote unquote, out of love, if you love me, or, or things that have been said to them about love that, that simply wasn't love. And that's why the starting point for us in the conversation of love is God. For God so loved the world, God is love. And that's the starting point. So if we want to understand what love is, then then we look at Jesus and and what He's done for us and how He's revealed Himself to us. That that this is the revelation of Jesus is that we have a Father in heaven who loves us. That that the Son perfectly loved us. The Spirit is is that manifestation of the love between the Father and the Son. Um, and it's it's funny. I, the the book that I did on freedom, I ended on just this I, this understanding of coming to know the love of God and and that we're free to be able to live in His love and. I remember a student came into my office and she had read the book and she was, that's it. I mean, that's kind of the big crescendo that, that it's like, <laughs> sorry. I mean, that's, that's, that's all I got. But, but the thing, I, I, I tell this yep. story a lot. I tell a story when I'm, I'm speaking about this, about my niece who was said she loved me and it was just kind of charming. And a lot of the people go, Oh, that's so sweet. And, and I say, you know, the only reason I tell that story is because it always gets that reaction. It's like, Oh, that's so nice. I said, I've told, you know, a million people in talks that God loves them. And nobody has ever said, oh, that's so sweet. And, and I think, I think mm-hmm. we've, we, we grow accustomed to it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. What next? But I, I mean, right. the, the spiritual life, I'm, I'm doing the, the Marian consecration, de Montfort's de consecration. We're now in the last part of it, and it's talking about Jesus. And, and just that, that today's thing was about we are loved. God, Jesus reveals the love of God. And and we, we ought not move away from that. We ought not say, okay, I've heard that. What's next? That is really the starting point. It's, it's, it's the middle, it's the center, and it's the end, this revelation of God's love for us. I would recommend a wonderful book, if you haven't read it, called C- by C.S. Lewis called The Four Loves. And what he does in this book is 
he looks at the different ways the Greek language uses the word love. They've got four different words for love, which I think is awesome. I wish we had more yeah, yeah. words for love in the English language, right? Uh, you know, I would say things like, I love bacon and I love my wife. And I mean very different things, even though I'm using the same word. And Father Dave, you alluded this, you know, to this, like people who are doing things because they love. Well, we mean different things. And the highest form of love is the word that Jesus uses. It's agape. And that's a total self-gift, self-sacrificial love, which isn't based on emotion. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a, it is, you know, it is charity. It is gift of self. And so when we talk about God being love, that's the fullness of love. You know, there's other words for love. Uh, eros is the love between a husband and wife. That's where we get the word erotic from. Philios is a love between brothers. That's actually, you know, that we call Philadelphia the city of brotherly love mm -hmm. because that's that kind of love. You know, I, I think of um, at the end of the Gospel of John when Jesus is saying, Peter, do you love me? And he's using the word agape. Peter replies by, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he's using the word philios. Because he realizes that he didn't sacrifice his life for Jesus. And that third time, Jesus said, do you filios me? And he was offended. Like, come on, you know that I do. Um, so the love that God is calling us to, as you're saying, love, love, is, you know, people say love is love. It's like, well, yeah, because we only have one dumb word for mm -hmm. it in our English mm -hmm. language. <laughs> you know, but filios and eros is not agape. And the love that God has for us trumps everything. And so when, when the catechism is talking about this idea of, why did the word become flesh? It's not that the Lord, not that we would know that God is affectionate towards us, you know, that God cares for us, which are other ways that we might use the word love, but that God is willing to sacrifice himself for us. I love what Fulton Sheen said, and I've quoted it before on this podcast. You can't separate the wood of the cradle from the wood of the cross. Like, you know, greater love has none than this, Jesus says in John 15 that one would lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends. Do what I command. And Romans 5, 8, that God proves his love, his agape for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the heart of that really is in the incarnation. You know, you know, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that beautiful scene in the manger, he knew exactly mm -hmm. how he was also going to die. You know, that horrific scene on the cross. And the first reason, as we talked about last episode, was to be reconciled to God. That was kind of a what, you know, like, why did the word become flesh? Well, the, the what was so we could get reconciled to God. But the heart of the why, why did he reconcile us is because he loves us so much. He didn't do it like, okay, you darn kids, I'll come down there just once and I'm going to fix your problem, but you better straighten up and fly right. It was a sign of God's love for us, that he would give everything for us. And he did, you know, God so loved the world. He gave, you know, the father gave his only beloved son. I mean, I know as a dad, I can't imagine that kind of sacrifice. You know, I would do anything for my kids and I would do anything to protect my kids. And the fact that the father loves us so much, he gives us his most cherished thing possible, which is his own son. Um, it's just kind of mind blowing. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing that he would do that. Yeah, amen, amen. And that's really, obviously, we're moving towards that, that we chose to do these during the Advent season and invite us to just reflect a little bit about what we're coming to and what we're moving towards. Even that, the 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Advent again, Christmas again. We'd go through this every year, but maybe through just taking some time to be quiet and still and to be prayer, prayerful during this week, we can reflect just on that reality that the Word becomes flesh. Christmas is ultimately the beginning of a profound uh, revelation and love story about a God who wants to make it known to us. And he's, this is how it begins, right, uh, with the child. So that's great. Yeah. Amen. And can I say one more thing? Because it's a Franciscan uh-huh. connection. Uh, Blessed Dun Scotus, who uh, is a great Franciscan theologian, um, he actually argued that the incarnation was a bigger deal than the Paschal mystery. Um, because, you know, Francis obviously had a love for the incarnation, a love but for the baby Jesus. But it was his favorite. Jesus. It was his, for Francis, so it's, it's the most essential feast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's because there is that connection to the cross. Like, as we celebrate the baby Jesus, again, the wood of the cradle, the wood of the cross, he gave us, God became flesh and dwelt among us to show us his love. And what is the high point of love? That you would give your life for the friends. And God calls us friends through the love that he shows on the cross, but also in the incarnation. Amen. Well, Lord, we ask your blessing upon us this week as we uh, find ourselves in the second week of Advent. Uh, Fill us with your grace, your love, and your presence. Let us know your love uh, that changes and transforms our greatest fears, our greatest sins, our greatest struggles, our greatest sufferings. Uh, Your love brings life to all things. May Lord bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a good week. Amen. Thanks, Father Dave. Uh, I'm getting home on Wednesday, and I know everyone's concerned. There's five minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Saints are down 16-3, to but I'm confident by the time you hear this podcast, Tom Brady will have had an epic comeback and will emerge glorious. Or well, you said the we Saints. Won't. You said the Saints are down. The Saints are not down. They're up, but that's okay. Oh, that's. I'm sorry about that. Maybe that's just me. Like that's just Wishing. me projecting. See you, Bob. You know, wishing, not hoping, wishing. But we hope in the Lord. And thank you all for listening to this podcast. We're praying for you. Praying you have a blessed Advent. And we look forward to you joining us in the next episode. God bless. Yeah.